The following is a sermon from the Vicar at Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson for this morning is found in Matthew chapter 17 verses 1 to 9. This is the account of the transfiguration. It's on page 9 of your bulletins and if you're at home I hope you would be able to open up your Bibles to chapter 17 of Matthew verses 1 to 9. After six days Jesus took with him Peter James, and John, the brother of James, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves. And there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then there appeared before them Moses and Elijah, talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. And while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. And a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus instructed them, Don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the gospel of the Lord. You may be seated. My dear Christian friends, I've never met a person who isn't a fan of free samples. To be honest, I think all you have to do in life is probably attach to the word free and then anything else afterwards, and I think the entire world is going to have interest. You've probably seen it like if you've gone into a chocolate shop, they'll, they'll just give you one little piece of chocolate, hoping that you're going to have two, three, four, or five more, so then eventually you're walking out with 32 different pieces of chocolate afterwards. The same thing at an ice cream shop. They'll give you just a little bit of that extra special vanilla bean cookie dough ice cream, hoping that you're going to want to have six or seven or more scoops, put it on a waffle cone, and walk out of there spending $50 on ice cream. Hulu, Netflix, ESPN Plus, they'll give you a free trial for a month to be able to use their platform, watch whatever sport, watch whatever show you want, hoping that they'll be able to draw you in to be able to want just a little bit more of their platform. As much as we want to think that these companies are doing it out of their generosity or out of their good, good fortune in their hearts, we know exactly what they're doing. They want you to just have a little bit of taste of what it is. If this is what I can have right now, think of what it is if I have the full experience. If this is what I can have right now, think of how much better it would be if I could have the whole entire real thing. What the disciples saw here, Peter, James, and John, what they saw in the transfiguration was just a glimpse of the glory of God. And what we're going to see today in our sermon is that Jesus didn't do this just for himself. He actually, he did the transfiguration for the benefit of the disciples. And we're going to see how 
because of that, we also have, there's a benefit in the transfiguration for us in our lives too. And this transfiguration, it, it, it takes place on a mountain, somewhere really high up, and, someplace, and it's a place with really special people. Now, whenever we hear mountain in the Bible, we can expect that there's going to be something very unique and something very new. In the Old Testament, this is where God and the people they would meet, they would meet on the mountain. And a lot of huge events have taken place on mountains. You can probably name some of the mountains that we see in the Bible just off the top of your head. We read one earlier today in our first lesson, Mount Sinai. Huge mountain where God gave the law to Moses. You can think of maybe, maybe you can think of like Mount Carmel or something like that. Where Elijah comes and he has this showdown between his God, the real God, and then the prophets bring out their God, Baal, and they have a showdown to figure out who is the real God. The past month here at Sure Foundation, we've been sitting on the side of the mountain, listening with the disciples to Jesus' sermon on the mount, listening to Jesus preach about how we can live in our lives. We don't know exactly what mountain this transfiguration took place on, but whenever we hear mountain in the Bible, we know that something big is going to happen, something unique, and something new. And we also know that Jesus doesn't just bring people aside all that often. It's very rare that Jesus just takes a couple of people and has a conversation with them. So when we know that he's bringing Peter and James and John along with him, we try to, we try to listen in a little bit closer about what he's going to say to these super special people. It's these people who are fortunate enough with them that he wanted them to see this thing happening on the mountain. When Jesus takes these rare instances to bring people along, we want to lean in just a little bit closer. But before we can even fine-tune our ears just to the special pitch of Jesus' voice, he, he transfigures before the disciples. Now, now, we call this Sunday, we call this the event, the transfiguration, but a big word like that doesn't even seem to do justice for what's going on here. In fact, it's, it's, pretty, like, it's a pretty weak word for what's going on here. In the Greek, we find it that it's the word that we get for metamorphosis, something like when a caterpillar changes into a butterfly, like that process. But even that might be a weak word and a weak explanation for what's going on in this text. The disciples are saying that his appearance changed. However, the disciples had seen him previously was not the same as they were seeing him now. And he was changing in bright, super different, visible ways. How many of you have stared at the sun recently? Don't. But that is how bright that Jesus was shining before them. And they say that, and they're telling us that it was this visible, this pure, this bright, this white light that this Savior was shining. The color of joy, the color of happiness, the color of victory. No, not any sort of reflection that Jesus was showing, but he was showing the brightest and the purest light, the brightest and pure, magnificent glory of the Lord he was showing. And the disciples just got a little bit of a glimpse of it. For just this moment, they got to see Jesus as he really was and his divine glory that was usually just hidden in the, the word and in the miracles that he did, but he was showing them his glory. They saw uncontestable proof that this was the Son of God. Why? 
Every single year on the calendar, this comes up. Right before we go into Ash Wednesday, we have Transfiguration Sunday. Why? Why did Jesus have to do this? Why did Jesus want to do this transfiguration for these people? Do you remember what happened right before this? What happened was, G- was Peter just kind of awkwardly confessed his faith in Jesus. He said, yes, I believe you, Jesus, that you are the Messiah. You are the Son of God. And based on that rock-solid confession that Peter gave to Jesus, Jesus can now begin to explain what's going to happen and the events that are going to happen in the next couple of days as he goes to Jerusalem. That he'll be handed over. That he will have to, he's going to have to suffer. That he's going to have to die for all of their sins. But he's going to die, but then he's also going to rise again. And Jesus has just told them exactly what it means to be his disciples too. That's going to take denying themselves. That they're going to have to take up their cross. And that there might be opportunities for them that they're going to have to lose their lives to follow Jesus. Christ is doing this transfiguration for them to prepare them for what is about to happen in these next couple of days before Jesus walks down to Jerusalem. He prepares them for what's going to happen in these coming days and for the future that's going to come for them that might not end up so well for them. He didn't do this transfiguration just for himself, just to show off. He did this with the purpose in mind, and that was for the benefit of the disciples. Peter picks up on this, and he he wants to capture the moment. He says, it's really good to be here. Jesus, let's let's set up some tents. Let's set it up for Moses, Elijah, Jesus. Let's, Let's capture this. Jesus, this is what we want. This is the mountaintop experience that we need in our lives. Have you ever felt this desire too? This desire that, yes, Lord, we want this mountaintop, this huge, epic moment that we can rally upon, and we can have this huge, epic moment that we can remember and that we can bottle up and we can take a sip out of that bottle every time we need to be able to feel something about this experience. Yes, Lord, this is what we want. This is the feeling we want in worship. This is the experience of faith that I want to be able to have, that I can contain, and that's something that I can, I can use whenever I need it, whenever I'm just feeling a little bit down. But do you notice how in the text that Jesus, instead, he ignores it, and he goes right on. And instead of setting up camp there on the mountain, he begins to pack up, pack up his bags And he invites the disciples to walk down the mountain along with him. Because Jesus has already set up his tent among his people. And he has a bigger purpose in mind. And that's why he came to this earth. Hiking is one of my favorite activities that I've gotten to do on this earth. I've I've gone to some of the greatest hikes that I've done are in the Rockies. Some are in the Andes Mountains. Some are even in the Appalachian Mountains around here. One of, the, one of the biggest, one of my favorite hikes that I've ever been able to do is down in Chile. It was in the Andes Mountain. We grabbed about like seven or eight people, loaded into a bus. We bust out about an hour into the mountains, and we were able to go on this 14-mile this hike, wandering around the great wilderness that is in the Andes, seeing all these great things. And the great thing about a hike at the beginning is everyone's got a certain amount of buzz, a certain amount of excitement. 
The incline isn't too bad. The altitude hasn't hit you yet. And you're being able to see these incredible vistas and these incredible views that only some of the condors know about and only some of the squirrels that live up high know about. Everyone's got this buzz. Everyone has this energy about them as they begin this hike. Now, it can sure be work. It can sure be a slog. But once you get to the top of that mountain on a hike, then you feel like everything has paid off for you. This is what we want. This is the view, this view, these people, this feeling. I don't ever want to let this go. I don't ever want to come down from this mountain because this feeling, this emotion is awesome. How can anything possibly get better than this? But if you ever know, if you've ever been on a hike, you know that it's one thing to go up but then you have to go back down. And sometimes that's the hardest part of the hike because the emotion's gone. You've left all the great memories behind. And once you go down that mountain, that means you have to go back to regular life, back to the regular strokes of daily life, back to the job that doesn't treat you like you think it should, back to the family members who have really back to the daily dose of reality and back to these ordinary moments that you are trying to escape your entire life from to be able to get these mountaintop experiences. Yes, it is good to be here, but we have to go here. Through the pain, through the struggle, and through the torture that is to come. It wasn't going to be easy for Jesus. He could have easily just stayed on that mountain, but he decided to go back down for us. It wasn't going to be easy for Jesus. And it definitely wasn't going to be easy for Peter, James, or John either. For James, he ends up being beheaded. For John, he ends up being exiled. And for Peter, he ends up denying that he even knows the Savior that he confessed that he believed in, and he'll be crucified upside down as well. I'd be kidding if I was going to tell you that it was going to be easy for you too. Jesus gave this glimpse of his glory for his disciples, but he also gave this glimpse of his glory for us too. Do you see in this text these glorified bodies of Jesus and of Moses and Elijah? That's yours in heaven. Do you see the approachability and the conversations that Moses and Elijah are having with their Savior and the approachability and the accessibility of these believers? That's yours in heaven. Do you hear that the words that the father says about his son, that this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased? Don't you wish that those are the words that the father could say about you? That's yours in heaven. Those are the words that God says about you now. Do you hear the words that Jesus says after he's blown them away with his awesomeness, that he's blown them away with his glory, do not be afraid, get up. That's yours in heaven, and that's yours right now. These are the words that come from a God who promises that he will accomplish everything that he sets out to accomplish, and he will forgive the sins that you think are unforgivable. 
that's the reality that you have with Jesus right now. You might, whenever you hear mountain in the Bible, you might expect big things to happen now. You might remember this mountain as the one where Jesus went up and where he showed the fullness of his glory, where a bunch, a cloud of witnesses were around and people there, and that's where the Father was well pleased. I remember a different mountain, Calvary, where Jesus will go and show his full glory for us on the cross when he takes on all of the sins that we put upon him, die for them, and because of that, we can have these glories in heaven. We don't get this mountaintop experience if Jesus doesn't do the hardest part of the hike to walk back down from that mountain. We don't get this glory of heaven if Jesus doesn't die on the cross. We don't get glory without the cross. We can't understand Jesus without the cross. Our faith is futile without the cross and without his death. We don't get glory without the cross. So see Jesus as he really is. See his glory because it's, the glor- it's your glory because all that is his is yours through faith. And as you see his glory here on Mount Transfiguration, keep in mind the crown that he wears on his head, the crown of thorns, the one that he dons for you. And in this, mount, in this event of the transfiguration, in this glorified Jesus, we can see our own future glory with him in heaven, where he is going to change our vile bodies into glorious ones. When we can have conversations, these deep and meaningful conversations with our Savior that we've already been having in our prayer life, we can have these conversations with him face to face. And we can hear the words that we so desperately want to hear from our Father, that I can be the one loved by Christ, that I can be the one with whom he is well pleased. Because of what Jesus did on that cross for us, we can be. And we can see on the Mount of Transfiguration that he does something big. He does it for the benefit of the disciples so that they can see what their lives will be like in the future. And he does it for our benefit too, so we can see what our future glory will look like in heaven. Amen.